Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 117, Our World, When Discipleship Fails. Welcome. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and we're coming at you from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I am alongside my favorite licensed therapist and Argyle expert, my husband, Matt Krieg. Hello. Hey, Matt. And we have our producer and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Hey, Steve. And today, guys, we are beginning a new mini-series called Our World. Now, I definitely want to sing A Whole New World, (laughs) but it is not that. Um, This series, this mini-series, is where Matt and I literally open up our world to you all. Because remember way back in the beginning of this season when we said that the theme for season three was getting practical? Uh, Well, I haven't relented on that. And although I love all of our guests and and have been very intentional about asking them for a next step, I don't know if you guys have heard that, I'm like, what's a next step at the end of every episode? I thought today we'd get really real and open up our real lives for this mini-series and how we practically live out the gospel. So we're going to literally invite our whole small group in here. Steve, how about them mics? We're going to have to figure that out. It's like um, six extra people, so we're going to have to share. Sure, sure. Uh, But we're going to have some tough conversations with friends about uh, race and LGBT and that conversation connecting. Uh, And we're going to talk today about my personal walking alongside people on a discipleship journey. And when my walking alongside people doesn't go, perhaps, like I hope, and to help with that conversation, I invited someone I walked with a few years ago, and her name is Kara Martin. Kara, welcome. Hey, Lori, thanks, it's good to be here. Yeah, so glad to have you. So we actually record at Cornerstone University on the radio, the radio, on the radio, campus, In the studio. In the, there's the word. Yeah. In the studio, on the campus, prepositional phrases. Uh, but you are, you went to Cornerstone and you work there now. What did you get a degree in? Yeah, I got two degrees. Um, oh. One was in exercise science, which I'm not using at all. <laughs> and the second one was an IDS degree where we got to build our own uh, degree out of whatever classes look good to us. So I called it leadership in athletics. It was a mix of ministry, coaching, and business classes. What's IDS stand for? Interdisciplinary studies. <laughs> Duh. Okay. Yeah. I know I, it's okay. I had to do a double take on that one, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like IBS? <laughs> Irritable bowels? Irritable no, bowels. now you're, you are shaming our guest before she gets going. <laughs> no, that going. was just my, I mean, we're letting people into our worlds, right? That yeah. is my first reaction. <laughs> you're of... going to talk about your IBS issues now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have IBS. <laughs> All right. Well, we're doing great. Doing great. See, we are our world. Uh, but Kara, you and I, um, we walked together for a little bit, and I'm excited to talk about that and some of the quote unquote failing. Um, but I heard your name again come up when you reached out to me and you're like, hey, here's this chapel talk I did. And I was like, what the what? <laughs> Wait, where are you at now? And <laughs> a lot listen. happened in four years. <laughs> yeah, for real. So it was really neat. Um, and I'm so, so excited to share that with you all listening about, you know, what happens when we walk with people and you're like, well, that was a good try. Uh, and But this is Jesus's person. But before we do that, why don't we just get into that question of the week? A real, real deep one. What's your least favorite font? <laughs> I was typing and I was like, I hate this font. So maybe I'll start. And that font I was raging about was Calibri, 
which is like the default font on my Word, um, whatever. And it's so like trying to be happy. And I'm like, I'm not happy. I'm writing angsty blogs. <laughs> Don't make me happy, <laughs> Word. So anyway, I feel a lot better now. Kara, how about you? Yeah, mine is Comic Sans. Right? Yeah. Bouncy, dumb little font. Yeah, no, there's like no reason to use that anymore. I was thinking about this a lot today, actually. This is the question I thought the most about. (laughs) Of all the ones I sent you, it's the font. This was it. No, I I thought it was like the equivalent, the aesthetic equivalent today of wearing bootcut jeans. Like there's just, (gasps) there's no reason. You can do it, but there's not a big reason to, yeah. Exactly. That was really good. Thanks. I think we can end the episode now. Right. <laughs> Equivalent to wearing bootcut jeans. You can, but why? <laughs> Steve, what are your bootcut jeans? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Kara took it. I mean, and I liked what Daniel said. Comic Sans is a Microsoft font that came out back in 94. It hasn't aged well, and it's so overused. We have a saying in the IT world. Every time you use Comic Sans, a bunny dies. Why not a cat? Well, because cats are evil and clearly a sign of the fall. I think we kind of just all know there's a connection there. Bunnies, yeah, yeah. Comic Sans, yep. and uh, many people on uh, social media agreed. I can't really disagree. So a Comic Sans, dies. it is. Probably because those the cute little font category should be just reserved for bunnies. Right. So when we're trying to throw it on a professional dock, the bunny's like, no, I'm the only cute thing. Exactly. I don't know. Yep. MK. I'm still kind of reeling from, from the bunny comment. But, <laughs> um, I really liked what David said on Facebook. He said, anything cursive, hashtag millennial. Because we, we don't know cursive anymore. I mean, I remember learning it in third grade, and now I don't even know how to write my name in cursive. Um, but yeah, I actually, well, I didn't really struggle with this because I didn't give it a whole lot of thought. But when I did think about it, there was just nothing that came up. I'm like, I don't care. It's a font. It, if, <laughs> right. if I can read it, it's fine. So I guess the ones that are basically flowers and paisley things that are like not even words, that would be my least favorite because it's not a font. Right. What, like, is, what is that? Zing, zing bats or wing I zings? No or, wingdings. I don't know. That's Something. what I wanted to say. Is this from Jessica on Instagram? Which, guys, if you want to respond to the question of the week, I post this on Facebook. Just find me, Lori Krieg, K R I E G, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, but she said wingdings. And does the word wingdings is yes. so funny. And I think it's just one word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who uses wingdings? Aren't there like three of them, too? Yeah, like wingdings, one, two. Oh, yeah. Who's using them, though? I have no idea. Okay, we're eating into, like, real actual conversation time. People are like, fast forward. Oh, my goodness, they're still talking about wingdings. Okay, we're done now, I promise. Okay, Kara, hello. Hey, thank you for indulging us. Uh, We ask every guest, in addition to often ridiculous questions, uh, we ask every guest this set of questions, which is, if the gospel is, I'm more loved than I imagine, and yet more sinful than I believe, when was the gospel first good news for you, and how is it still today? Yeah, um, I had kind of three different conversion experiences over the first 20-ish years of life, um, and I'm still figuring out where that fits in your Arminian Calvinist binary. <laughs> 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 but So at first, I grew up in a Christian home with family that went to church, 
uh, every Sunday. And I remember one of my earliest memories is of my dad taking me to the park and kind of walking me through the sinner's prayer. I don't remember if that's something I asked for, if he just thought, this seems like a good night to save my child, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't remember what the lead up to that was, Um, but that was kind of my first experience. Um, Then when I was in middle school and high school, uh, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And that kind of drug me down for a while, um, emotionally as well as uh, physically. Had that for about four years, and it wasn't until I was able to surrender um, my identity that I had put in this illness, um, where God showed up. And like I said, I had this disease with me for four years, and a month after um, I surrendered it to Jesus, uh, the symptoms all went away. So that was cool. Wow. But apparently not powerful enough for me to learn my lesson. Um, (laughs) Then a few months, a few years later, um, I was wrestling with same-sex attraction. um, And that became the new thing that I put my identity in. And again, uh, at the end of that, surrendered uh, that label to the Lord. And that time, I think I really learned my lesson. And and now Mm -hmm. I've been walking out that act of faith. So the gospel is still good news to me now. I think our lives as Christians is continually finding new areas in life that we haven't fully surrendered. And Mm -hmm. so the good news is that we have the ability to keep surrendering those as they arise and come up, which I'm thankful for. Mm. I love that. I love that ongoing look that you have because I think when I was, when I was your age, uh, (laughs) maybe this is why the discipleship failed, Lori. (laughs) But I just think I did have like a before and after. You come to Christ and then you're fine. Uh, And so I love that, um, that long obedience in the same direction outlook you have. So when I met you, what was going on in your life? A lot. Yeah. So we met. It would have been between Thanksgiving and Christmas break, my freshman year at Cornerstone. Uh, So 2015. Okay. And I was in my freshman year um, and I had been in a same-sex relationship since August before coming to Cornerstone. So it had been a few months at that point. Um, And I had gotten to the point where, uh, so a same-sex relationship is against the rules at Cornerstone. And eventually student development Um, which is ironically the department that I work in now, um, (laughs) found out about uh, this relationship that I was hiding. And it was brought to their attention. And one of the things uh, that I had to do as a student um, in response to this rule that I was breaking was to meet with a mentor. And you were that mentor. Oh, snap. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So when you first started meeting with me, um, which I... This is not something you guys listening that I do on the regular now. Uh, early on in the ministry, I, I did walk alongside people just to provide a safe space to listen and care. And I don't know, I just really I wanted to offer any just life and hope that I could. Uh, but just so you know, I'm not not in that business anymore, um, except if God specifically calls me. But I do meet with people one on one for maybe an hour. Um, but when you first met with me for this discipleship journey, what did you think? So before I met with you, it was strongly suggested to me. Well, I first of all want to say that Cornerstone was very gracious in their response to me. Um, when I received the email from uh, the lady who was 
going to walk with me through this. Uh, I thought that I was going to get kicked out of school. Mm. She sent an email uh, wanting to meet with me, and I thought that I was going to walk in there a Cornerstone student, and I was going to walk out not a Cornerstone student. Mm. And that was not the response. Uh, the response was very gracious, but it was strongly suggested that if this relationship that I was in wasn't over by Christmas break, by mm. the time I came back for the spring semester, that I might want to start looking for places to transfer. Mm. But so, it was said like really graciously and kindly. Definitely. Just like, hey, definitely. this is the rules. Yes. Yeah. Truth in love. Velvet yeah. covered brick. Yeah. But it really felt like that. Dudes. Yeah. <laughs> but it really felt like that. Mm -hmm. Even in the midst of it. Okay. Yeah. So when we started meeting. Um, You're, you and I. Yes. Yes. I knew I was supposed to be at Cornerstone. And I don't really know how to describe that. The way that uh, these doors were open for me and how I felt when I was here. I just, I knew this was the place where I was supposed to be. And so I kind of lied my way around everything. Um, when I would ask you questions. Yes, yeah. yeah. So um, I remember coming back from Christmas break and I told you the relationship was over, mm -hmm. all this stuff. Mm -hmm. None of it was true, mm -hmm. but I wanted to stay at Cornerstone. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, claiming that to be the truth was, mm -hmm. was my ticket to stay. Mm -hmm. So meeting with you was not fun because yeah. you know i was lying my way through it and hmm. yeah i remember when we met like my goal when i meet with anyone for that hour now or back then you know early when the ministry started is to connect hearts to the heart of the father and i remember just thinking i was like you know what she can choose whatever she wants like and I I'm not saying choose the attractions I'm not saying choose the orientation I'm just saying she gets to choose we all get to choose life or death every day mm -hmm. and it's that doesn't matter your orientation it just is and I did I snuck around in college I broke the rules I should have been kicked out like a bunch of times and so I I hope that you experience which guys we didn't pre-talk this by the way <laughs> so this is all fresh I'm sweating a little bit but <laughs> like, what did you think I don't know <laughs> Jesus is my identity um, but I, I was like, I should have been kicked out like a million times. And so I hope what you experienced from me was like grace, but I know that the enemy can sneak in and be like, no, she won't. You better lie. Mm, yeah. So what was that like? Like, did you experience grace? And then was it just kind of like, no, I got to stay here. So I better lie. Or this lady's gonna, I don't know, tell on me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you were not connected to Cornerstone yeah. other than you were the person who they invited mm -hmm. to walk with me. And um, so I didn't associate you with the school in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually learned a lot from you. Mm. Like I, as hard as my heart was at that time and as persistent as I was in not being found out um, about everything that was going on, I did learn a lot. And I can't say like in full honesty, didn't appreciate you know having to spend that hour yeah. every week but looking back I did learn a lot of things that have really shaped um now that I'm taking this you know faith thing seriously what did you take away if you can remember those things yeah there were two things wait real quick I, sorry yeah. before you should and guys I'm asking her this not to be like I just really need to be bumped up in my soul but just for you listening, if you're walking with someone and you're like, I don't know, 
you know, Lori, I've read your Journey Well book, or I've done this or that. And I don't know if anything's getting through. I'm, I'm hoping. I don't know what you're going to say again. We didn't pre-figure this out, but that there are. You never know what's going to get through. You never know. And you, if you're sensitive to the Spirit and obedient to the disciple, the people that God invites you to, like I pray about everyone I meet with and talk to, uh, that there's potential for seeds to be sown. Okay, saying that, <laughs> what did Amen. you take away? <laughs> yeah, two things have really stuck with me and really impacted me since. Uh, the first was, you were the first person who told me that when you pray, you're like allowed to picture Jesus being in the room with you. Hmm. And that was not a concept that was brought up to me in all my years at church, even at the Christian school that I attended from kindergarten to graduation. Uh, that was brand new to me. And I know you're not, but I'm a physical touch person. And so <laughs> being able to picture, you know, Jesus across the table or giving me a hug has impacted my life, not only that year, but has been the most impactful piece of prayer, helpful information that mm. I've heard maybe ever. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Man. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. And that's just the first. There's a second thing. Oh, hey. <laughs> uh, so the second was that um, in one of our last meetings, if not the very last one, you asked if I had any more questions and I felt like I had to say something. So the first thing that popped into my head was I asked you if I had to find a guy to get married to, to mm. really be saved or to really, I don't know how I worded it, to, to put this issue to rest. I don't, I don't remember exactly. Yep. And I don't remember the words you said, but I remembered you being um, the first person to pitch this vision to me of what a life as a single person could look like. And that's what I'm really actively pursuing now. And it's something that um, the few months after we met where my heart started to change, that that vision really kind of caught on fire in my heart. Mm. And so you're the first one to kind of make me see this could actually be a plausible way to live and a really good, beautiful way to live. Wow. Yeah. Praise God. Ooh, because when we did meet after your chapel talk and we talked a little bit about your current life, mm -hmm. the vision you cast to me about singleness was beautiful, mm -hmm. which I can't wait to get there, but I want to finish up your story. Mm -hmm. um, so when we stopped meeting, I don't, I don't know if you were just like, were you still like lying a lot? And I was like, well, I, I, I just, I remember being like, I think I've gone as far as I can. And I just was like, you know what? I, you know, our, my goal is to get your heart to connect to Jesus. And I've used all the tools I got and I'm just going to love her. And I just like, I think we're okay. <laughs> Bye. That's how I felt. But I, I, I wasn't the one to make the X. I can't remember exactly why it ended. Yeah. Uh, I think I came to one of our meetings at one point and said, Hey, I think I'm good. <laughs> Can we be done, basically? <laughs> I think that's how that went. You ended it with me. Fine, <laughs> fine guys. Uh, and so that I probably, I, I know I like talk to people who you had to report to. Mm -hmm. So were you living a secret life then? Yeah, yeah. Did okay. you, I've, I've been, I've wanted to ask this for four years. Did you know that I was lying to you? Or like have an idea? I had a sense. I'm pretty intuitive because I did the same thing. Yeah. I didn't have to meet with anyone though. I just. Yeah. Super lied. Sorry, Cornerstone. Please don't retroactively <laughs> take my degree away. <laughs> hey, they hired me. You're good. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> I should Plus, they'd have to take, like, probably who knows how many degrees away <laughs> yeah, from, from so, right. every one of their alumni. That's true. Matt, you too. So. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> um, I I had a sense, but I that's not my I'm not the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's not my job to be like, are you telling the truth? It's just like honestly, my hope if when I meet with anyone is I'm like, you know what? I hope seeds were sown, and so I'm grateful that they were. Okay, so you here you are living this, still living the secret life, and and coming to Lori and saying, hey, I think we're good. Can we be done? <laughs> and, you know, just kind of, I, I picture you just kind of walking out and being like, oh, finally, now I don't have to like do the charade anymore. Um, and, and I guess even, even that action of kind of walking away from this discipleship thing, how did God use that mm. specifically to, I don't know, to spur you on in your journey? I'm not able to think of anything specifically with just walking away. Um, I think, so I'm a very independent person, um, have been since fourth grade. I remember packing my bag so I could run away from home. (laughs) (laughs) Never actually did it, but I remember packing. And I think walking away enabled me to get my heart in the right place to actually want to figure this out on my own Hmm. and not have Cornerstone or not have Lori telling me this is what it should look like Um, or this is what the Bible says and and, uh, we suggest you follow it. Yeah. Hmm. At that point, you would have been looking like you followed it in order to to please them as opposed to actually, you know, being able to wrestle with it and kind of adopt whatever, wherever you landed, you know, and so... That's an important point. And I think about that sometimes when I have like these one off for lack of a better conversations with like teenagers or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? Sometimes you just got to fall hard. (laughs) I know I did. Matt, I know you did. Like sometimes you have to go to the end of the road, whatever that is, even though there's really no end of sin, you know, but just smack your head and be like, all right, it isn't that good. I know you did that in some ways. Mm-hmm. So tell us what, what was that independent walk, you know, probably what felt like walk into the sun to set, like how did that roll for you and how did God finally arrest your heart? Sure. So that was a couple more months after, you know, we parted ways, uh, that freshman year, uh, the year finished out. I went home, uh, for the summer and the relationship continued until then. But then a week after I was home, uh, the relationship ended and it wasn't me who ended it. And I really think that that was necessary because there's no way I would have cut that cord yeah. um, for any reason. Hmm. Uh, so having it end and it not be on my own terms, um, I mean, it hurt. It hurt really badly. Hmm. And I had to deal with that loss before I could deal with anything else. Totally. Um Wait, I need to say something for people who are listening and are walking with people. And let's say you're still in like a friendship relationship and you're like, I know this relationship isn't God's best. So let's say they break up. What you just said is really important is let people grieve. Even if it's a, we get it. It's not God's best. It's a sinful relationship. Pain is pain. Don't rejoice when people are grieving. Do you guys do that with your straight kids or friends when they break up with someone who's not a Christian or a drug dealer or whatever? Like 
grieve with them. Pain is pain. And so that was really important that you just said. And that I know was important for me in my journey when actually this is whatever. Matt was a big part in helping me grieve, break up with my girlfriend, which whatever, dysfunctional. But it was really important that he provide that safe space. So anyway, you had to grieve that before you could even start doing more of the soul heart work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I had to work through uh, the breakup and everything that that brought first. Um, yeah. And that, so that relationship was the first time that I had been in a relationship with another girl. Um, so I was able throughout those, it was about nine months, uh, to put my identity in the relationship and not in the label of LGBT or lesbian, whatever, uh, term you prefer to use. So throughout that summer, I had to start reckoning with, well, what, where does this leave me? Uh, how do I identify now? What do I call myself? Uh, what kind of box do I put myself in? And so I explored that a little bit in the summer. I uh, went to a gay pride parade in Washington, D.C., which actually in some ways was a lot of fun. It <laughs> what was fun about it? Well, it was a parade, so they like threw out candy and stuff. Mm-hmm. I got to see some new experiences. Uh, mm-hmm. One girl that I met smoked weed through an apple, which I didn't know was possible in some- <laughs> <laughs> until then. <laughs> That was cool to find out. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not all evil, sin, terrible. Oh, like no. these are all yeah. image bearers of a holy God. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And oh, so passionate about what yeah. they believe and mm-hmm. so welcoming and hospitable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in some ways it was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, Which it's reflective of God. Mm-hmm. Again, people who are listening and like, but it's bad, bad. Like it's just, it's, it's a vapor of whispering for God is so welcoming and God is so inclusive and fun. And I don't think he smokes pot, but you know, he is so like, like, so it's instead of just viewing it all in this, like coloring it with a black crayon and be like, ah, it's all terrible. It's so reflective and speaking of God, it's just, it's, it's not the ultimate good, but it's trying to speak of it. Okay. So, yes. So wrestled with that throughout the summer, uh, did, you know, put myself within that LGBTQ box for a while uh, because after the breakup, it was refreshing for me to have something to identify in, mm-hmm. uh, some group of people to say, hey, these are my people. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. again, I'm just help just for no, people please. who are new. Um, aff- the, you were lumping yourself in with the affirming LGBTQ crowd. So there are people who are listening who identify as LGBT, but they identify as the historical Christian view or the orthodox so they may they say that this is my orientation this is how i identify uh but i'm surrendering my sexuality to jesus you were not doing that i was not no i was i was fully saying here's who i am here's who i am attracted to and i'm gonna pursue that yeah yes uh around that so towards the end of that summer august september uh for some reason i started to care about what the bible had to say i'd spent Hmm. the last year up until that point doing my best to avoid that question uh, because I thought I knew the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, end of that summer, became interested. I thought that scripture was going to tell me, or I wanted scripture to tell me, I guess I should say, that I could pursue, you know, end goal was to find a wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought scripture might affirm that. So I picked up two books. I picked up God and the Gate. Christian? God yep. and the Gay Christian yep. by Matthew Vines mm-hmm. and People to Be Loved, Preston Sprinkle. Mm-hmm. And I read both of those slowly because it was hard work emotionally making my way through those pages. Mm-hmm. I joke about how, especially with Preston's book, 
would read a few pages and then have to go for a run to like <laughs> calm down. She ran a marathon <laughs> in about a week, <laughs> something like that. Uh, but eventually found myself not finding a black and white answer in theology. Mm. Um, and I think that's important to note. Like the Bible has, is it four passages on this topic? It's like six or seven. Yeah. 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 They call them the clobber passages, yes. which they only clobber if you're the one clobbering people. So don't do Amen. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So worked my way through that and didn't find a black and white answer that I was comfortable resting the rest of my life on. Hmm. And so I put down the books and I started praying and like really wrestled in prayer for the first time in my life, just wow. up late nights, unable to sleep, just putting this before the Lord. Um, I, I wanted to pursue, you know, dating girls. Yeah. But more than that, I wanted to pursue whatever God's plan was. Mm. And so I Why? Just, Why did you still want that? I don't know. I, that motivation was not my own. There's no way that came from me. Uh, that was completely the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I, I kind of existed in this limbo for a few months where I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm ready to pursue either of these things. I'm ready to pursue a completely affirmative lifestyle mm-hmm. or I'm willing to pursue celibacy, uh, whichever, you know, you tell me, God. But I wasn't going to act on either one until I got kind of interrupted with that divine, Hmm. you know, sentence of do this or do that. And by Christmas break, the last couple weeks before Christmas break, I had a couple prayers that got answered really specifically. And there was this one week in particular that got wrapped up in a worship service uh, at Cornerstone on Sunday night, where I just got this strong, powerful sense of the Holy Spirit in the room and God telling me that his best for me was not to pursue mm-hmm. marriage to a woman. Mm-hmm. And, oh man, the rest of that service, you know, sat down in my seat, cried the whole time. Because, uh, I mean, we were talking about grieving a minute ago. That was, this is a new area where I had to grieve. Um, and I yeah. was really disappointed because I really wanted the answer to be, yeah, thumbs up. You can pursue this um, and that's going to be okay. But that's not the answer that I got. And... Yeah, so that's where I'm at now. Um, I'm past the grieving stage for the most part. There are mm-hmm. some days where I'm like, ah, man, wish it could have been different. But I'm very much um, in pursuit of that vision that you first cast to me, where singleness mm-hmm. can be a beautiful pursuit of the kingdom on earth. Mm. Yeah. So amazing, so beautiful, and so good. You mentioned a minute ago, like you couldn't find the black and white in theology. Is that still true for you? Like, and by that, I mean, you know, is it, is there a right and a wrong when it comes to this? Or is that just right for you, but for someone else, affirming is good? That's a great question. I, I stand firmly on the more conservative end of saying Mm -hmm. no scripture doesn't allow for Uh, romantic same-sex relationships. Mm -hmm. But I'm also really, really passionate about letting people find that for themselves. Mm -hmm. So when I talk with friends or I talk with students who are going through this, I I don't want to be just another person in their life who says, 
no, this is the way you should live because the Bible says so and leave it at that. I, I want to be the person who helps inspire them to seek out this answer for themselves. Because at the end of the day, I don't know, you can tell people what you believe all you want, but that's not going to change their hearts. What's going to change their hearts is when God gets in there and yeah, he may girl. use you for that, which mm-hmm. is the case with you in my life. And mm-hmm. it's what I want to be for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll get in there and change their hearts. But we yes. can't do that alone. Woo. That's right on. Matt, can you throw something in, please? Because I know this is, that's like counseling 101 is like, I mean, someone could come in and be like, I'm depressed and I'm addicted to porn. And you could be like, well, just don't. (laughs) Or, you know, I'm going to cheat on my wife. And you're like, stop. Like, why is... That's usually how I practice, yeah. You know, can you just back up with, I don't know, can you throw some counseling jargon, something, that just super affirms what Kara just said so beautifully, is letting people discover the answer for themselves and stop being so freaking controlling. Yeah, well, I I think a couple of things. First thing, I'm not going to say a counseling thing. I'm going to say a youth ministry thing that came from my youth men professor. At Cornerstone. Cornerstone Cornerstone advertisement. Um, We ain't getting paid for them. No, the mantra was the the mantra was like when a kid comes to you with a question, protect the question. What's that mean? Protect the Um, question. Don't give. Don't just give the the full thought out. Here is the right, correct answer because that means they're going to accept that and not wrestle with it until at some point when they have to question it again because it doesn't actually make sense to them. And so from a, from a counseling perspective, if, if someone, because I have a lot of times that people come in, they're usually kids forced to come in from their parents. And, and the parents really want me to fix their kid, quote unquote, and I'm not in the And not make them of, straight, but it's like make them well, better. Well, that's, that's a lot of times what the parents would oh, want snap. is like, can you make my kids straight or at least make them love me and not pursue this relationship? And I'm like, I can't do that. I don't. Nor even... will we ever, by the way, <laughs> yeah, ever, ever, ever. You do know, that. and, and it's something that even though theologically I, you know, am a historically orthodox viewpoint on sexuality, like I'm not going to tell a kid you can't go pursue a relationship because honestly, like pursuing that relationship could be the only way that they find out that, oh, that relationship didn't scratch the itch. Mm-hmm. As much as I can say, even from my own experience, that certain things don't scratch the itch, it's not going to sink in. Mm-hmm. Like you said, sometimes people need to, what well, I think you said, you know, hit rock bottom or something, but they need to come to the point where it's like self-motivated-ish because it has to be spiritually motivated, but yep. kind of, it's like inception. The spirit can inception things to people to go back to that, you know, 2008 movie. Like, whereas if I'm just telling someone this is going to be best for you, this is going to be best for you, they're going to sit there and say, well, okay, but I don't actually believe it. Yeah. And therefore I'm not going to be motivated to actually pursue it or think about it. Which is why, you know, in our uh, Journey Well book and our Journey Well uh, workshop that we do. So the Journey Well study and then the workshop that we do, I just teach you guys tools to give to people. I remember doing a lot with you, what you were talking about, the visual prayer. I was like... I, I can't tell you what to do or not do. It's not going to do anything. But I can help you encounter Jesus. And he may be the one you reach out to when this relationship doesn't work out. And when that relationship doesn't work out. And when this one, like, be, and I don't have to think in my heart, oh, I actually think they are going to work out. And by that, I don't mean that you wouldn't, couldn't find a wife and be married for the next 40 years. 
when what I mean when I say don't it doesn't work out that it won't scratch the itch your heart and then in the middle of the night when the Holy Spirit pinpricks because I actually trust the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit and not me I could be like maybe she'll reach out for Jesus because we've been walking out these tools and that's I mean in parenting I look at my kids and I want to lock them up in a lockbox now at three and five and seven months and be like, okay, the world's terrible. I want to protect you. So I get the parents mm-hmm. that like want to take their kids places, but can we actually just provide yeah. them with tools? Well, and I, I think it's good for parents to take their kids places, but I also think in doing that, there has to be a relinquishing of control. Yeah. You know, because it, it can't be something where the kid is just continually forced. Kara, I have run into some university leaders and they'll ask me, they're like, Ugh. like they hate, they have to be the, the rule doler outers. And they'll say, does it even help anyone? Like, doesn't it just make them want to rebel more? Or I don't know. So what would you say to someone who is in a position of spiritual leadership and it has to do the email that you got and the conversation? What would you say to them? Would you like, is it, is it good? Is it bad? Are the rules good? Are they terrible? Yeah, so this makes me think of a book I read this summer, You Are What You Love by James K.A. Smith. I've heard of it. Yeah. I did not read it yet. It's a good one. Hmm. Uh, he makes an argument that right now, culturally, one of the most attractive things we can be doing as a church or just a single believer is advocating for some black and whiteness when it comes to morality. Um, and he, he speaks about it specifically within a church, but that's kind of where I would start with is there actually is possibly this, uh, yearning for more black and white than what culture is actually providing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now, now that I work in a university setting where I, I am the person who sends those emails sometimes Mm. and I haven't been that person yet to send this specific email, but um, I've had conversations that I guess you could say have come close. And what I believe now, why I've chosen to work here and take the chance that this might be a conversation that I have with a student in the future is that there's something about the law in scripture. I mean, in the Old Testament, the law was the only way that the people knew God, right? Like they had to have their act together or they had to offer a sacrifice uh, to get that stamp on them. That was okay. They could come and approach God. And now we live in the time after that where we've had Jesus and we have him as access to the father. But the way that we show that we love Jesus and care about our faith is by still following through on those aspects of the law. And the way I see Christian universities and the rules that they set out, like the purpose I see in that is taking the 66 books in the Bible and simplifying them down to a bite-sized list of rules, if you will, um, and using them as guidelines, not even necessarily for the students, but for those of us who work in offices like student development, where we care about the student and we want to see them flourish like a biblical sense of flourishing. And so there are guidelines for us to know when a conversation might need to be had. Like I would say, I don't, I can't speak for everyone in my office, but 
I could care less whether a student is following cornerstone rules or not, right? But I, I want to have clear boundaries or guidelines that are set out for me by the place that I work for so that I know when a conversation might be necessary so that mm -hmm. I can help guide a student into wanting that flourishing for themselves. Mm. That's beautiful. I heard something this week that was talking about the rules of God and saying that Jesus is the only master who won't enslave us because he made us. He's the, he's the only master who can actually like create the boundaries for our hearts to flourish because he, he knows how we operate. Now, this is where I'd love to land the plane. If someone is listening and is in your shoes when you and I met, you know, and perhaps isn't meeting with someone one-on-one, -on -one, but is maybe just listening and is living that double life, which was you and which was me in college. Um, what would you say to them if they're in that wrestling space, that double life living, what would you say? I thought about this one a lot. Um, more, more than yeah. the font one? Admittedly more than the font one, yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because I took this as, you know, what would me now tell me five years ago. Yeah. And it's hard for me to think of anything that would have actually made a difference in the place where my heart was at. Mm. But I guess I would say we call the condition that we live in sin nature because it's natural. There feels like nothing more natural in the world for me than to want to pursue dating relationships with women. That feels like the most natural thing to me. But our life of faith is about surrendering those things which feel natural so that we can actually come into what is most natural for us, mm -hmm. what was present and available before humanity fell and came into sin. So I would say... Me now, I'm not doing anything crazy for the faith. I'm not living out a more faithful walk than any other person out here going to church. I have found an area of my life that has been uh, called to surrender back to the Lord. And that's the reality for all of us who call Jesus Lord. And it will look different in different areas of life. But this is mine and there's nothing crazy about that. Mm. Snaps for Kara. Kara, mm -hmm. thank you so much for opening up your story and your heart and our quote-unquote failing discipleship relationship that God used. Thank you, Jesus. Really, it's, mm -hmm. your, your story's woven with the Holy Spirit. Um, just thank you so much for sharing the fruit of some of those seeds with us today. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, if you want to connect with Kara, you can hit us up and we'll make sure you're not crazy. No, um, but you can reach out to us and we'll connect uh, you to her. Uh, but you can reach out to us at podcast at com. It's all the vowels, L-A-U-R-I-E-K-R-I-E-G. And uh, we can connect you with her probably again <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna bet a little bit we care about her and whomever we're connecting people to um but she's we're also gonna put some of those books that she recommends that have been helpful for her in her um journey and guys if you want to read that book um that 
Matt and I really wrote together, but it's the journey well study. It's, it's really my discipleship journey with my mentor. And it's just some of those tools that I use when I walk with people, whether it's a long ongoing journey or it's those just for an hour, just to help to really, <laughs> it's just connecting people's hearts to the heart of the father, which is what you just said, Kara is so it's the most important thing. Our question of the week for next week. If you had your own talk show, who would your first guest be? Because I don't know. I just want to know. <laughs> so I'm trying to think right now. It's probably Francis Chan and only Francis Chan because that's all. I'm obsessed. Or Tim <laughs> Keller. The other one. Okay, but that's not new news around here. Guys, thanks so much for being a part of this podcast family. We so appreciate you. Feel free to reach out with your questions or thoughts or encouragement for Kara. We'll take that. We'll take that and for sure pass it on because this is not easy putting these headphones on and getting behind a mic. But man, this is God's in it. But for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you next week. Woo!